tune in, tone up. Your one-stop shop for guitar tricks, tips, techniques and advice. With me, Gary Shilliday, and my own excellent teacher, Dan Davis. In Guitar Lesson 27, Dan and I look at the thorny topic of songwriting and arranging original songs, starting with a riff I wrote a long time ago, and with lots of background discussion about how to write songs in general, Dan develops my idea and gives me some options for second guitar parts and song structure. By the end of our lesson, we really have something which I can take away and work on. We hope you like this lesson and we'll look forward to some further developing of our song next lesson. You and I were talking earlier today about what should be the subject of today's lesson. What could we go over and maybe something that, that you and others might get something out of. And I suggested the, the thorny subject of guitar parts. And not in terms of other people's songs. But I'm talking about sort of songwriting. You know, maybe when the song is written or as you're writing it. How to write some cool parts which won't get in the way of things. And which will help carry the song. Is that something that you think might... Might interest you? That sounds superb, Dan. Uh, songwriting is something I wish I could get into a little bit more, actually, but it's uh, it's one of those time issues, isn't it? Everyone wants to just sit down and practice. and Yeah, and I sometimes think with, with practice, it's partly down to what you practice. Songwriting, I know that many people feel it's a bit of a black art. Some people just have the knack. But you've got to remember that the people who even do have a really great ear for songwriting, for cool parts that work and that sort of thing, they're going to have written more songs that don't work than songs that do work. Yeah. And I think there's definitely not so much do's and don'ts, but I definitely think with songwriting, there's things that help things a lot, getting songs out there. I teach a lot of kids, so I hear an awful lot of GCSE compositions. If ever the moniker, the good, the bad and the ugly were ever applicable, this would be one of those cases. Some people have some brilliant, amazing ideas, but they don't have any theory to back it up. So they have some really, really great ideas, but they they get stuck when it comes to tying one part in with another part, because maybe they've changed key halfway through and it sounded really good, but they can't get back to where they were. Other people are maybe writing to a definite itinerary, so they're told, right, it needs to be this and this and this. So that's not quite the same as the freedom of free songwriting and doing as you choose. So they're trying to cram everything in there that they're being asked to cram in there. I see also an awful lot of people who tend to borrow from the same cliched chord progressions and things like that. So I see a lot of different compositions. And usually with people, I think thus far, I've always been able to add something of value to what they've written to help them or push them in the right direction. Yeah. I've written a lot of songs myself. They may not get many airings, but I've written a lot of tunes myself and I do know what the pitfalls are and where the problems lie. So, shall we write a song? Yeah, that sounds like a plan. I was just thinking about something, actually. 
But ages and ages and ages ago, I wrote a bit of a kind of riff or set of chords. Okay. I've never properly sat down and finished. A friend of mine has, okay. and it's okay. But I still think that that song is still out there to be looked at a bit. Maybe uh, let's just do that, shall we? Gotta remember it. <laughs> I, I do feel with, and maybe you won't like the riff. That's the other thing. Just tell me, and we'll cut it all. <laughs> Often, when something is when something is good, let us get a few things out of the way first off. The reason things become a cliche, I know I said earlier about kids using cliches because they're inexperienced and all that kind of thing. If something's a cliche, let's, don't get me wrong here, I'm not saying never use a cliche, but something has become a cliche because it's good. If it was rubbish, it would have never gained the traction and popularity that it had. But the problem is that once one person borrows it and then everyone else borrows the idea, you can kind of end up with a very blatant borrow I don't know if you've seen this little snippet on YouTube I remember it was there years ago of a guy who who knocks out the chords to Packer Bell's Cannon and then proceeded to play so many songs that you've heard using this chord progression and he was just trawling through the same four chords it's such a classic chord progression it's been used and abused over and over again yet many of the songs there we wouldn't go hey you that's Packer Bell's Cannon don't steal that old chap yeah so sometimes it's not always the fact you're borrowing a cliche it's sometimes it's how you serve it up so if you're doing it like everybody else does it probably time to take a step back and look at what you can do differently but show me what you got if it's stuck in your brain I think it is I'm sure there must be something good in there Thing. So it's sort of pseudo uh, pseudo That was more it, yeah. So it's like... yeah, that. got that kind of chromatic bit at the end. It's yeah. an interesting riff, and I've done various things with it, but just not been happy with anything, and that's. That's, I think, one of the first rules of songwriting, having looked into it a little bit, mm-hmm. is I should finish it. And <laughs> I should just keep finishing it. <laughs> Write some lyrics. And... It is t- tricky with the song. We will look at your riff more in depth in a second, but is it, let's talk about what you were saying there, because that's quite interesting. It can sometimes be hard finishing a song. I have unfinished songs, and I have finished songs. And I think really, probably for most of us, unless we're going to sort of sit in the studio and churn out albums... If we were able to take our songs out live with a live band and let those songs grow and evolve and develop, then we would end up with something that's a lot closer to something that that feels natural under our fingers and maybe feels like the song that we wanted to make. You've got to remember when people are recording albums, although you do get the stories of, you know, he recorded it in his bathroom on a dictaphone, you know, it does happen. But generally speaking, most people are going in multi-million dollar studios that are costing thousands of dollars a day yeah. to record with top producers, the best musicians that you could possibly get hold of, the best equipment that you could possibly find, and they're cutting a record. That's a far cry from one lonely man sitting in his living room with his acoustic guitar. It's a completely different thing. You know, in a way, if they can't come out of that environment with a good album, then perhaps they should take up knitting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly. But even so, at the root of any good album of songs is the songs themselves. They've got to be good quality songs. Mm -hmm. I think one thing which possibly... It's lyrics for me. Lyrics, yeah. 
second I start writing some lyrics, I quickly lose interest because nothing seems to fit. And I'm, I'm not a bad writer when it comes to like writing in various other ways. I'm, I'm a teacher and I, I write things. Yeah, but when you're it comes a pretty to, articulate man. But when it comes to <laughs> thank you. But when it comes to writing lyrics, I just can't ever be satisfied. Maybe I'm always thinking about the guitar parts too much and need to do something more lyrical with them. What are your... If you were to say, like, name three songs that you think are amazing songs, what three songs would you put out there as amazing songs? Goodness me, there's so many to choose from, isn't there? Three real good ones. Three songs that you think, yeah, they, they're really, really great, well-written tunes. Okay, here's, a, here's one with just a really easy set of chords that I think... I think the result transcended the genre, shall mm-hmm. we say, and that's uh, No Woman, No Cry, Bob Marley. Yeah, very, very simple. Very simple, very simple. A, a rotating set of chords that goes on until the musicians have had enough and the words have been sung. Yeah, it's the lyrics though, isn't it, for for that, that kind of make it. There's quite a lot of good imagery and, and everything right, like that's that in, in there. That's interesting you say that, yeah. Because for me, again, I, I like a song to paint me a picture. You're in the same way that if, if you're reading a book and you're just reading words, that doesn't really hit home. If it's not a cookery book, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if it's a story, yeah, yeah, yeah. then we want the writer to engage us. Descriptive language, all that, a bit of colour, yeah. a style. I mean, breaking it down into its technicalities, that's it. Probably some of the songs which are... I would say very, very descriptive sometimes in terms of the storytelling, although sometimes it can be a little cheesy. It's like the country stuff. be very, very oh, yeah. good at storytelling. Garth Brooks, is it Unanswered Prayers? You know that one? I'm not familiar <laughs> with that one. I am familiar with Garth Brooks. Yeah, very kind of cheesy country, but, you know, it's a pretty good story. There's a, a great tune that Brad Paisley covered. I'm sure it's a cover, called Whiskey Lullaby. I know that one, yeah. And yeah. it's it's very... Oh, it hits you hard, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's like I mean, a, even the first... Like a freight train. <laughs> no, even the yeah. first line, she put him out by the end of a midnight cigarette. Yeah. Like, that's just yeah. such a fantastic line. Put a bottle to their head, isn't it? And pull the trigger. Pull, that's it. Triggers. Yeah, pull to their head and pull the trigger. That's it. That's a great song. It is a great there's a song. Few, there's a couple of others of his as well, and they're all very well written lyrically and musically, aren't they? They've got, mm. they've got everything, really. I mean, there's one about his stepdad. That's a good one. If I could be half the man that he was or something. Yeah, I think I know the song. Yeah, that's good. I mean, with with that sort of genre, I mean, there's a few people like like Brad Paisley. Bob Dylan was great with words as well. I was going to say All Along the Watchtower was another song that I think... That's, that's pretty clever. They're so simple, aren't they? What's the one that Adele covered? Are you hungry? I go black and blue. Yeah. I go walking down the avenue. That one. <laughs> da, 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 da. I can't think what he's Make you feel my Make, love. Yeah, that's him, isn't it? Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, fantastic set of lyrics. Bruce Springsteen springs to mind. Oh, yeah, he's got some great cracking tunes, Fan- isn't fantastic, he? Fantastic, fantastic tunes. Also, one Born to Run. Yeah, it's amazing. And so. Led Zeppelin? I, I really Led like Ramble Zeppelin. On. Ramble On. It's just that, <laughs> that amazing guitar pumping rhythm. The lyrics, again, are quite magical and take you away. So you've identified some interesting things. So one thing is sort of the lyrics, so lyric writing. Now, lyric writing, I think we're all continually learning. If you don't sing as well, you're at a disadvantage. Do you sing? Much more than I used to, yeah. Well, that's good, I'd because with, when you sing, especially if you can sing, 
you have no instrument as a barrier as such. I mean, we have our voice, we can't see our vocal cords, that is a complication. As my nephew, who's a very good singer, once said to me, you know, that we can't see this instrument we're trying to control. And if we're trying to be a really great singer, that could be a barrier and a problem. But for most people, a melody that sticks is a melody you can hunt or a melody you can sing. And so if you're singing, you need to put that with the words, because obviously you need a strong melody. So if we were taking your riff, riff yes. what are we going to do melody-wise? Well, that's the issue, yeah. And it's like, what do you... I guess so, no, I was... Or was it, actually? Hang on. That's it, that's it. something you know it's you like see, there's, there's or is it a hook itself you know it's different ways of looking at it yeah with something like this it's not like you're probably going to fit in a bit of melody per chord maybe yeah yeah it's yeah, traveling yeah, yeah. quite fast <laughs> so i would think is that kind of stripes or or strokes or something? I'm, I'm just i'm just thinking of the melody that i'm hearing over the top so if you can't hear it, as I always no, use to say, you can't issue. hear it, you can't play it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would play it a few times, hum along with it. A melody can always push the chords in a certain direction. Take a silly example. Um, if you were doing like the same yeah. as Hornpire. Definitely writing out the C chord, then the D chord, then the G chord, then back to the C again. The C, D, C, F, G, and C. The melody is telling you what to play. And while you could play something different, it might not sound quite right if you did. Yeah. Because those notes in that melody are really pushing it in a certain direction. 
Yeah. Now you've got the opposite thing going on here, and it's knowing which is which is quite helpful. So if you have a really good melody, so in other words, like if you, if you now think melody rather than chord progression, chord progression is very much a guitar player's thing, isn't it? Yeah. Whereas if you think melody, you can then find that chord progression on the guitar. Okay, that's an interesting interesting point, yeah. Do you see what I mean? Melody is everything. <laughs> well, melody, you know, if, if scales tend to be built on notes kind of going up in a line, chords are built on notes kind of going across the fretboard from low to high. So therefore, when you're looking at a melody, it's a bit of a blend of both, especially if you're singling out of certain chords. Just think, think of Jessica by the Allman Brothers. It's basically like an A major arpeggio with an added note. Yeah. So it's an arpeggio with extra notes around it. So it, it's telling you what chord, in no uncertain terms, is there. Yeah, because you're staying on the chord, so it makes it easier to kind of create that melody. That's yeah. what I always found difficult with that bit, was making the melody for it, really. Right, yeah. now, if I was making the melody for this, I'm thinking the rocky, slightly Green Day-esque, but let's make it a little bit more Brit. I hum a melody over the top. <laughs> flipping the table so like a frantic verse with a more measured chorus so you went to the F but that sort of takes it into a different key all I did there was going from the F power chord yeah. to the G to the A power chord It works, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> 
So this is what <laughs> I was nice. talking about, not that yeah. you're a GCSE student, but I was talking about the kids who they, they write something that they don't know how to get back to where they were going. Yes. So you've got to have yes. a pathway back in. And that's the B there. Unless you're going to change key. But then next time round, you're going to have the same problem. So you're going to change key again. So unless you want a complex song that keeps changing key. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You might do. I mean, Kiss is God Gay Rock and Roll to you. It changes key about four times. Yeah, yeah. Some of the Great keys, tune. It's an amazing <laughs> tune. Kiss stuff is surprisingly well written. Once you start digging, yeah. you'll see what I mean. So I went from the left to the Yeah, 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 nice. What Maybe we've should... done with this is we've taken your basic riff yep. and we've taken your chorus idea. So I haven't messed with that. We've decided what genre it kind of fits in. Now, I know every person, I don't know if you've ever answered the small ads, but really. certainly in an eclectic town like Brighton, if you've ever answered the small ads for like a guitar player wanted or something, oh, yeah, yeah. I used to when I lived with my parents and then I kind of gave up. Because every original band I ever went for an audition with, you say, well, what sort of, you know, what are your influences? What do you like? You can't really pigeonhole our sound. <laughs> like, so you sound crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The fact is, usually birds of a feather flock together. So rockers tend to attract rockers. The country boys attract country boys, and the and the blues boys attract blues boys. Yeah. You can sometimes find yourself, like I sometimes do, where I'm not a blues player as such. Yeah. Yeah. I can play blues, and I enjoy playing blues, but unless I'm doing it as a job, or I'm playing at a jam session, and that's what someone wants, I'm not going to go out there and purposefully play 35 songs which are all 12 bars i could do i played a lot of blues when i played with some people and i've got a gig which is going to be decidedly bluesy at the end of the month but generally speaking no yeah generally speaking i'm more of a rock player so the blues players can be sometimes maybe a little wary of the rock players with their yeah uh, too many notes and flamboyance and all the rest of it and then the rock players can be wary of the blues players. and oh, boring, slow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you get the country players, and they're just a different breed entirely. And then the jazzers, never never the twain shall meet. The jazzers, the yeah. country guys, and the rock players, and the blues players. Very infinite. It's very infinite plane, isn't it? The jazz players. That's right. They never come down from. That's right, sitting yeah. there with their, with their smoking jackets and corduroy trousers and toilet seat guitars. <laughs> and six inversions of every chord. And That's right. Why, 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 play, why play one chord in a bar when five would do? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> All less suggests. But yeah. what I suppose what I'm trying to what I'm trying to say is that, that most people know 
where they sit. I love playing a bit of country. I do love playing a bit of blues. I do love playing a bit of slide even. You know, that sometimes I think surprises people when I've got a bottleneck out. I'm not the world's best slide player, but I'm certainly not the worst. And I love the sound of it. The sound of bottleneck is awesome. But there's also many different styles. But most people kind of know what they're going for as a band, as a collective. Your songs will eventually morph into sounding like you. You know, and probably with with every album. You know, if you look at most albums, even by very eclectic players, the album works as a collection of songs. You know, you listen to Joe Satriani's albums and there's definitely like a theme that runs through each album. And so when we're writing a song, it's a good idea to kind of know roughly where we're going with it, I think. Yeah. What, what's the sound that we want to produce? What are we, what are we doing here? Well, at the time I wrote that riff, which was years ago now, we were in a band, me and some friends, and we were playing a lot of rock, kind of grungy type rock. And, yeah. and uh, we were working together to write tunes and there was one guy who was boshing them out left, right and centre. All pretty good, really. Well, lyrically, very good anyway. Mm. And it's quite good musically as well. You know, there's some pretty good... There was a riff on one of them that was like... Quite a good riff, you know? Yeah, it's all right. Bluesy kind of thing, yeah. Bluesy kind of rock riff. And then it's got this kind of... Now, it's all very bluesy, but heavy rock. And then there was other things which were like... And they were all the kind of things mm. we were doing. They fitted together quite well as tunes, really. There, there are plenty of tunes which definitely have kind of like the sort of the rock stamp on them. Yeah. And which I suppose one might view as being kind of generic in a way. But I guess it's always how it's how it's done. Yeah. You kind of get a sixth sense after a while for what's a really great album of songs and what's like an okay album of songs. Yeah. An album of songs usually needs to sort of hang together so it belongs together. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be... It has to have a theme that threads through it as such, yeah. I don't think it necessarily needs to be a story. There are some amazing albums out there which are definitely albums that have a story. Uh, concept albums like The Wall, Operation Mindcrime by Queensryche, which is another fantastic yeah. album. I thought that was a brilliant album when it came out. Spandex, check. <laughs> yeah. Quality Headstock, check. I'm all ears, what you got. But yeah, no, just a brilliant album, brilliant songs, great performances, and it transpired to be a very, very good live show as well, where it yeah. all, all kind of worked in the live arena. It contained a little bit of opera, it contained some rock, there was sort of bluesier elements. It, it's a very, very cool album. Always um, like the Black Crows for their Black kind of Crows, country yeah, rock. Yeah, sort of country, soul, bluesy. Yeah. Yeah, laid back and cool. You've got Rush's 2112 is another classic. So in terms of what we've done, let's look at what we've done with your tune. We've identified the riff and tidied it up so it's just a little bit sharper. And we've also added an ending to it. Which takes us back to the E. Yeah. It's one thing to kind of twist the audience's ears, but things kind of need to flow. Yeah. And I felt that this... hanging in the air for me it didn't kind of want to rotate like, yeah. a, like a riff whereas yeah the other Seems thing good. you do with the chorus the chorus is sort of a little bit more sort of stompy to let the melody kind of do its thing and we've chosen to use the C as a springboard to a power chord yeah and then and the A minor seven sharp well. nine. Which then takes us oh, by sorry. the D, D sharp, 
D power chord, D sharp power chord, back to the E. There we go. the lyrics maybe <laughs> I mean with something like that yeah. you need to decide whether you're going to play it and sing because when I was thinking of my melody over the top I was finding it quite hard yeah, to sing and play at the same time so this is the, the rhythm a bit full on isn't it it's quite yeah. frenetic yeah, it's yeah here there and everywhere so this is something else to decide do you have a singer in which case you can kind of separate your rhythms maybe from your rhythm of melody because what makes a melody tick is not just the notes it's the rhythm. We've talked about this in terms of lead guitar playing. Yeah. You know, if I play this... Apart from sounding awful, it's just not interesting. Yeah, yeah. Not if, phrasing. Exactly. Whereas if I alter it... Admittedly, I've added the bending and everything else in, but even so, it's it's that kind of sort of rhythmic sensibility that helps. So when you're writing a melody, so with this, da, 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 da. so that was my yeah. melody. same verse chords again that kind of chant oh, 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 oh. yeah okay yeah yeah because what we yeah okay let's give it going yeah Yeah. yeah, so although you get the rules of like your verse, chorus, verse, chorus kind of rules of songwriting, you know, with the middle eight in the middle, we're also looking at where we can place things like our hooks as well. So something like that might actually be a really good way to bring the song in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> back to the yeah so maybe have that. that everyone singing that and then maybe drop down with a bit of palm muting now when you palm mute it's a different sound not only to open so this is you know really talking about our guitar parts not only is it a different sound to the very sort of different dynamic yeah, yeah for the jugular kind of sort of open strum but in 
brings dynamics to the song. something a little bit more like it could be a tune now one thing i see an awful lot when i see people's compositions yeah. i mentioned this earlier i know i mentioned school kids i only say that because i sit there on a monday and they come through the door and once we hit you know about march april time they're like i've been asked the compositions i've got to be handed in by june so they're yeah. thinking about <laughs> like just the like, pressure of a teenager yeah so they're thinking, good timing though yeah, as well yeah, yeah. They've been thinking about it all year. They told him about their composition. Yeah. I've got a hand in on Monday. <laughs> yeah. What am I going to do? Well, they're, they're too busy thinking about girlfriends, cocaine, and hubcaps, aren't they? Yeah, really well, that's true. <laughs> their minds are tied up elsewhere. But yeah, so basically, you know, they come to me with their song. When you get underneath it all, you understand what's going on. Like I have one pupil, for example, who had taken his guitar composition, which was quite a noty, I, I guess, sort of Latin, Spanish-flavoured piece, and he'd gone from like an A minor kind of sound, sort of A minor, A minor, Phrygian kind of sound, this kind of sound. And he used it to somehow pivot into C harmonic minor. first glance you think that shouldn't work (laughs) it shouldn't work but yeah again if you look at c harmonic minor you've got c you've got d f g a flat and b yeah those notes all belong in a harmonic minor right okay the only one that doesn't no g doesn't technically belong but it sort of falls in the a minor group of notes even if it falls slightly shy of phrygian yeah the only note which doesn't quite belong in there is actually the e flat yeah. So when I unpicked it, I was like, how the hell did he do that? I wouldn't yeah. have thought of doing that in the months of Sundays. And when I did figure it out, I thought that's a really, you know, I don't know how he stumbled across that. I guess he used his ears and just traced his way down one string. Yeah, think, yeah. And, yeah. And come up with that. Because there's not always the theoretical knowledge to back it up. Yeah, yeah. You haven't got the chordal transitions either underneath to kind of help him go from one key to another or any smooth sort of kind of pivotal chords that you could use that maybe share notes from both keys that you could use to transfer from one key to another. Yeah, so like a fretboard freedom that he's... Uh, yeah, he's so I mean, on one hand, it's really a clever kind of idea. His ears have heard it, and I now understand why. But at the same time, you're thinking there would have been a smoother, easier more sensible way to go from one key to another. Yeah. So you see this kind of thing a lot. 
Now, not criticising your piece at all, but you've gone from... Which is kind of like... We're almost accepting the first chord is a major, even though yeah. we're only playing power chords. So we're going down to a C, so the E major would fit with the D, but going down to the C would kind of be telling us E minor. But it kind of works, so we don't care. And then we've got this chromatic lift from the A to the B via the B flat. Yeah. to help us tag around go back down to the E yeah so that all kind of lives in roughly the same chord family I get that the F is a bit of a departure but what I've done at the end is when we go to the C last time round I use the B B to go back to the E exactly because now we're, we're e. back in the family of E yeah by the chromatic D D sharp and then into the E again so when you are writing think about how you're going to get from one place to another yeah. You know, it's it's something definitely worth doing because sometimes we can do a whole bunch of chords and it sounds really great, but it can be a bit of a dark alley if you yeah. can't kind of resurface with your original key. If you can't transpose chords into the new key or you can't sing in the new key, then you really can end up in a, a bit of a pickle. There are some songs out there with very, very weird things going on. Take Born to Run by Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. The whole song's basically in E major. And then for no particular reason, we hit the bridge, it goes into a D. Yeah. And then inexplicably, out for a C. Yeah. Then back around again. uses the C as a pivot into F. It's nuts, isn't it? <laughs> sort of, but then to C and F, so that's now going into C major. And then we've got these chromatic notes, F sharp, G, G sharp, A, B flat, back to the F sharp. Then B, B flat, A, G sharp, G, F sharp, F, E, E flat, D, D flat, C. Just got that name. Then down, then <laughs> yeah. up an octave to keep going down mm. the notes, yeah. I think possibly, and I, I don't know, I'm not Bruce Springsteen, I've never read an interview with him, but it is quite possible he was writing the song, went into that bridge, realised, how the hell am I going to get out of this without changing the key of the song? How do I get back to the original key? I've got another verse and chorus to sing yet. And therefore, okay, if I go up, I can go up to come back down again. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But somehow, okay. some way, you've got to figure out these little links. One thing that you can use as a, as a possible was he went from the F chord and then he proceeded to go up, semitone at a time, so chromatically, 
from F sharp. So F sharp, G, G sharp, A. Yeah. So he went up. Even though he's gone down an octave. Yes, Then up to the B. Go back down again. Steve it, once you kind of got your head around it, it is very, very simple. It's a very simplistic idea. Yeah. And he's done it using sort of rhythm and do it, do hitting do enough do notes do until you kind of get to the one you want. Sort yeah. of. But you need to find ways of moving between the keys. So watch your writing when you are writing, that you can move seamlessly between the keys or you can write something which allows you to. One thing which you can use very easily is a chord that's shared. So say you were doing a song in C. would be C, it would be A minor, D minor would be in the key of C, so you'd actually have to kind of do the D major. Yeah. You know, instead of that. Yeah, yeah, got it, so, I've got it, yeah. But yeah. looking at the things that are shared, I could do that fairly easily.
So finding Use common those chords. shared chords, yeah. yeah. And you can also do the same thing with solos, which I think we possibly talked about before, by using shared notes as you go from key yeah. to key and mode to mode, scale to scale. Now, going back to your tune, something I would like to cover before we go is what we could do to add interest to yeah, what yeah, we've yeah. already got. A second part? or Yeah, like a, a second guitar part. Yeah, okay. One, two, three... <laughs> One more time, actually. Yeah. Okay. So then you can hear my partes. So the, just the chorus. Should we try the whole thing? Cool. Timing right now, but it sounds really good, yeah. Cool. So, what all I did, yeah. um, and as I say, that's coming together quite nicely, isn't it? <laughs> it's it's kind of like the super glue factor, yeah. Um, I know Paul McCartney, there's a great, theme you've put a theme there on yeah. the other side of it, yeah. Paul McCartney's a great songwriter, John Lennon's a great songwriter. Who do you prefer to listen to, John Lennon? Right. <laughs> yeah. And why is that? Paul McCartney is very accomplished. He's very polished. Yeah. He's got a good voice. He's a very good musician. John Lennon had 
some amazing songs. It's a bit more rough and ready. A bit more quirky, if you will. And I often felt that in the Beatles, while they all had their part, that McCartney kind of was the glue that made the song tick. Yeah. People out there may disagree. I mean, this is just my take on it. I'm just one man. I could be wrong. But, yeah. but I always felt, for me personally, listening to, to Beatles songs, I love yeah. the Beatles, that McCartney kind of made was the glue that brought the song together and made it tick and made it function like a pop song. Lennon yeah. kind of added that twist, the odd chord in there, the odd chords that you didn't expect, the yeah. odd melody line you didn't expect. And sort of as time went on, in later years, obviously, kind of Lennon got a bit more, yeah. and the Beatles as a whole got a bit more out there. But if we're talking sort of the earlier, the earlier years, there's a quirkiness in some tunes. Like All You Need Is Love had that kind of 7-8 yeah. vibe. Otherwise, it would have been such a normal run-of-the-mill song in some respects. Yeah. It's that that jarred you when you listen to it, but in a good way, it's like, oh, yeah, that's quirky, that's kind of cool. Brass instruments and stuff like <laughs> that. <you know? laughs> yeah. Exactly, yeah, that, that kind of hook. And it's funny, when the band party company and you listen to Lennon's solo stuff and you listen to McCartney's solo stuff, it's quite a different listening experience. And McCartney's sort of brilliantly crafted songs played by world-class musicians. And it's all very nice. and But sometimes maybe a little bit too bland for its own good. But very yeah. well put together. And then you listen to Lennon, it's very rough and ready. It's, it's quite sort of political. But it's got this kind of like earthy quirkiness about it that's quite enticing. You know, songs like Woman, amazing, yeah. amazing, amazing song. Imagine, I mean, the songs don't come much, much flaming really. bigger than that and better yeah. than that. Well, that's pretty incredible. So interesting chord movements and voicings on that, on, on that, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite, it's quite simple, it's, really. Yeah. It is, it's pretty straight. But I would say to anyone sort of listening and to yourself too, is that when you're thinking of songwriting, we want to have that glue that binds a song together and makes things flow. You know, in your piece, it was kind of sending it back to the original key and doing it smoothly. In terms of the parts I was playing, I'll show you those. They were really easy. All I was doing was octaves. Starting with your... Starting over your E chord. So as you're going... Which is E, D and C power chords. Just yep. going down the next 7th, 5th and 3rd. I'm going up. So I'm going 7. It's an octave, so 7 with 9 on the G string, 7 on the A string with D muted. 9 and 10. Nothing complex there, really. Yep. So as the chords cool. have gone down, I've gone up. 
creating a, a nice sort of counter movement. Yeah. So when you play the E, I'm playing the, the E notes. Yeah. When you're playing the D, I'm playing F sharp, so that's the major third of D. When you're playing the C, I'm playing the G, which is the fifth. Yeah, yeah. And then a little melody tagged on the end. Now, when we go to the... Kind of adds a bit of uh, musicality to a punk song, doesn't it? Exactly. So I'll start on the Rudo and the Cool. cool. to the B at the end as our lead back in I'm doing a, a unit of bend which is first finger on the fourth fret and yep. uh, fourth fret of the B bending the sixth fret of the G up against it we go three frets higher so we go from the major third to the, the fifth So the idea really of what I've done there is just trying to tie it in all together. Yeah. It's kind of like a... Yeah, no, thanks for that. I think I'm going to attach it to the, uh, <laughs> to the thing when, when that makes us a fortune now. <laughs> Absolutely. So when, no. you, when you're trying to think of guitar parts with a, with a tune, always think of dynamics. What's this tune doing? If you're on 10 and you're steaming away, I know we talked about this before in terms of guitar sounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're on 10 and you're steaming away like a steaming thing, you've got nowhere to go, which is fine if you're playing a flailing solo. You know, to a degree, if you're on the right sound on your amp or whatever, that's absolutely fine for certain things. But you want to hold something back in reserve. Now, if I was playing a punk song, I want the chorus to pop. I want the song to rock, but I want the chorus to really pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, especially if it's got this kind of pop rock. You want the chorus to pop. So I would start, if I was starting this song, I'd start with my hook. Or whatever it is. And then I would drop down to guitar, bass, drums, muted, big volume drop, yeah. allowing the vocals to be sort of doing their thing. As the second guitar part has now drifted off. Yeah, yeah. And we've done that in the intro. That's the loud bit. And then with our chorus... Then in comes like the lead guitar line, and then back in with our hook, and now the second guitar carries on with the hook it started with. Yeah. You know, so it's about arrangement as much as anything, building our light and shade into a piece so it doesn't all sound the same. It's got things that grab people in it. It's an awesome, uh, awesome, awesome lesson, really, with a... A piece that I'm almost inspired to go away and write the lyrics for. So I thank think you so I think much. you should. That's yeah. all right. No, I, I, I hope you do write the lyrics. I, I hope so too. <laughs> I can't wait to hear them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. No worries. Cheers.
Stay tuned for more episodes, jams, improvisation ideas and well-informed thoughts about amps, pedals and guitar tone. If you enjoy this podcast, leave us a review on iTunes, find us on SoundCloud or see our website on tunein-toneup.com. Here you'll find show notes, tabs and further research and resources. It's also a good place to get in touch. We hope you're finding these lessons as interesting and as useful as I do and if you have any suggestions, we'd love to hear them. Music